<laughs> Hello, kitties. It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to The Bottom Shelf. <laughs> So, Dallas, we have a problem. Yes, John. Well, is it the fact that you just got out of the dumpster with Branson for like the last couple of weeks no. full of uh, gas? No. No, no, no. Uh, Kevin's gone, dude. Oh, where'd he go? He went He went to the leprechaun section of the Planet Geekery. Oh. Is he trying to look for a wee woman? I don't know. A wee lass is what you would call her. Call them. Oh, wee lass. A wee lass. Uh, I don't want to go in the dumpster, dude. Oh. Where's Branson? Uh, he's still visiting the Taco Bell district. Oh, Branson. We need, we need to get somebody in here. Um, to, who will go in there? Who, who, who else is qualified? I just to go into that. I just started that new podcast with Dave. I mean, yeah. Do you, do you think we could haze him and have him crawl around in a dumpster? You know, it'd give it's good experience. It's that's experience, life experience for his podcast yeah. is his resume. Yeah. Um, earning his stripes. He's working yeah. his way up from the mailroom sort of thing. Bring him aboard. Um, okay. Uh, wish I had phone number. I had, wish I had just, dialing on here. Just press the teleport, teleport button. Oh yeah. I forgot. Just the same way you did Kevin or do you did, uh, Branson. All right. Um, hopefully he's not taking a shower this time though. <laughs> hey, uh, Dave, Dave. Yes. Yeah. Oh, what did, did I, did I interrupt? I was I was I was trying to figure out what game I should play next out of like the four hundred that I'm currently well, playing. Well, hey, hey, uh, so you know how Dallas is your boss now for Geek Devotions? Uh, yeah. He says you have to crawl I around do. in this dumpster. So get to it. I'm a big boy. Okay. All right. Okay. Prepare yourself to discover a world of terrible movies. High above the planet Geekery, a group of intrepid explorers hover over the dangerous planet in their fabulous super-orbital spacecraft. Their mission? To conduct a complete analysis of movies known throughout the universe as Terrible. So grab your space popcorn, grab your freeze-dried ice cream, and join us for today's mission of Discovery and Wonder. Are these movies better than the galaxy thinks? Or do they really belong on the bottom shelf? What is cracking, movie goers? It's your boy John here with another episode of The Bottom Shelf. Almost, I, I can't have people from my other podcasts on my shows because I always want to introduce it as playing games with strangers, and that's that's just not what this is. Uh, but with us this week, we have diamond dallas mora i haven't heard that relation to my name in ages <laughs> and oh my gosh we have the great dave clements from other things that we do dave, just other dave. stuff 
Where's Dave? Dave's not here, man. Uh, who's this? (laughs) But, uh, yeah, this is the bottom shelf. We watch terrible movies, so you don't have to. We are the movie division of geek devotions, the podcast network devoted to letting you know that you are loved, you are cared for, and there is a plan for your life. So if you get nothing else from this podcast or don't listen any further, we want you to know that you are loved. You are cared for. There's a plan for your life. Word. And doggone it, people like you. <laughs> it's going to be one of those episodes, everybody. Uh, so this week, what are we doing this week? Uh, Dave, uh, being as you're the intern on this show, we said you had to go climb into the uh, movie dumpster because that's below uh, Dallas and I at this point. So, uh I mean, it's fair. I don't like it, but it's fair. <laughs> um, so yeah, I there's something like right on the top okay. with a note from Kevin. Oh, 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 that was actually nice of Kevin. He did he did the work for you, Dave. Look at Kevin planning ahead for us. I mean, I, I guess. Uh, but I just get your galoshes for next next week's episode. I wasn't I wasn't prepared. I was in video game mode. So I gotcha. okay. Gotcha. Casual uh, gaming. Yeah. So uh looks like killer clowns from outer space. Oh, this Ooh. movie. Yeah. That takes me back. Okay. Uh well, do we have any uh taglines? Let's see. Let me uh let me take a look at this. So I'm looking at some taglines. We have uh less traumatic than Stephen King's it. Well, I mean and that's this is th- true. That's not hard to do. What's the fear? What's the phobia of clowns? Cholerophobia. Yeah, something like that. What is it? Cholerophobia? Cooler? Cholerophobia? Well, Stephen King's it gave me that and arachnophobia at the same time. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, cannibal Clown Holocaust? Okay, so whoever said that, boo to you because Cannibal Holocaust is not just a movie title to throw around. Yuck. I didn't know that was a thing. Cannibal Holocaust is a horror film that has a very big reputation to it it's one of the more disturbing movies that you can see it's about oh wow it's about uh a cannibal tribe and white people and terrible things wow it actually you actually see that you actually see them kill a turtle on camera so that's okay yeah not watching that one on this show (laughs) no no (laughs) <laughs> definitely not. then we have a uh, don't mess with perfection perfection you say sir and then i like this one you'll die laughing hey you know why uh speaking of cannibals being as that was mentioned in a previous tagline you know why cannibals don't eat clowns right because it tastes funny. exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story so from what i've heard cannibals say that people taste like chicken um, actually I had a science teacher in high school, uh, a biology teacher. We ha- that came up in conversation. She goes, actually, uh, the way that the muscle structure is set up, we would taste more like pork. Interesting. That makes sense. Um, it, it's also part of the reason why, uh, like police investigators and whatnot, when they're testing things, uh, they use pigs because pigs are the closest human analog that they can, uh, find. Hmm. It's fascinating. We're yeah. not talking about cannibalism today. We're talking about killer clowns from outer space. 
Dave. Yeah. What's on the back of the box, my man? That was a great segue, Dallas, by the way. Back of the box. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Killer clowns from outer space. These guys are creepy. Um, In space, no one can eat ice cream. I didn't write that. It's on the box. Uh, Released the 27th of May, 1988 in the USA. It is an hour and 26 minutes rated PG-13 for language, slapstick violence, clowns, and oversized sugar-free cotton candy. I mean, that's terrifying. by Stephen Chiodo, written by Charles Chiodo and Stephen Chiodo, produced by Edward Chiodo, Stephen Chiodo, and Charles Chiodo, the Chiodo brothers. Uh, It stars them as clown extras, and music was done by John Masari. (sighs) All right. Here's the description. I think that's probably what you really wanted. But anyway, it says, finally, the truth about clowns is out beneath their smirky, sinister grins and wildly patterned clothes are clever killers from out of. Yeah, from out of the world. That sounds weird. Uh, Killer clowns from outer space stripped away their painted faces, unmasking horrifying monsters with the ultimate human death plan. The juxtaposition of their toy store arsenal and malevolent intent uh, proves to be a tasty combination that will leave you fearing these bi top creatures for good. I think it meant big Who says top. juxtaposed? Who puts that on a box? That's a big word, especially if you're me and from Indiana and homeschooled. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, a spaceship looking like a circus tent lands in a field near a small town signaling the attack of deviant red-nosed balloon-twisting psychos from another world who plan to annihilate mankind by turning people into cotton candy. Luckily, the town's teen citizenry decide to fight back and teach the cosmic bozos a lesson. But these clowns, spelled with a K, are no klutzes, turning popcorn, peanuts, and caramel corn into playful, nut deadly, I don't know if that's a pun or just a typo, (laughs) weapons of madcap destruction and mayhem. I I just read it. Who wrote these things? I don't know. It it was just handed to me. Okay, so this is the movie we're watching. John, you got any trivia on this thing? Um, let's see here now. Uh, a lot of really random stuff. Uh, there is a theme song that was uh, made specifically for this movie uh, by the band called The Dickies. Um, and uh, they had actually not seen this song uh, they had not seen this movie before having written and performed the song for recording this. So uh, they had completely just blindly wrote it about a movie they knew nothing about. <laughs> um, Horrorcore rap group, the Insane Clown Posse, sampled the dialogue from this film for The Staleness, which is a track off their 2002 album, The Wraith Shangri-La. Hmm. Um, if you are familiar with movie tropes such as the Wilhelm scream, apparently it can be heard when the killer clown or known as clownzilla throw rich and Paul's ice cream truck <laughs> towards the end of the movie. Um, let's take a look here. Yeah. There's not a lot. That's not just random stuff that doesn't matter for it. Yeah. Uh, I guess there's a big old body count in this movie uh, that gets up to 40 is the body wow. count. So that's like half the town that it is. I guess, <laughs> man, <laughs> I did hear Wallback that this was like a, uh, a parallel of the blob. Like 
that a lot of their story beats are based off the blob. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I heard you want another little piece of trivia that I don't know that anybody but my friend Mike, who I think was on here not too long ago. Uh, yeah. Um, he told me this because I, um, I was talking to him about it at some point. Anyway, uh, he told me that so the Chiodo brothers are uh, visual effects guys, and the costumes from this movie were reused in Ernest Scared Stupid with some of the trolls. No. Yeah, they just repainted them. I'm going to go back and watch that. It's wild. I I would I would trust that because Mike knows a thing or two about Ernest Scared Stupid. I, having heard yeah. the episode from uh, from uh, Boomstick Video. Did I ever tell you that I got in trouble because of Ernest Scared Stupid? What? <laughs> I got in trouble because of that movie. I was a kid. I was with my dad. We're watching the movie. I go, Dad, what is this movie called? He goes, this is called Ernest Goes to Hell. I'm like, okay, cool. So the following week, I'm at my school talking with my friends about Ernest Goes to Hell. And my teacher's like, stop saying that. I'm like, what? They're like, you, I was like, it's the name of the movie. Ernest Goes to Hell. She's like, no, it's not. Because apparently the teacher knew it was Ernest Scared Stupid. She thought I was just being ornery. <laughs> so I got in trouble because my dad made a joke about it being Ernest Goes to Hell. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Thanks, dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, um, we got trivia on the board. We've read the box uh, and it's big words. Um, mm-hmm. So any thoughts on uh, on the movie? Expectations. What we uh, I've seen this before. I mean, like this, this movie was pretty much on repeat on HBO in like 1993 for my summer mm-hmm. vacation. I really? wasn't allowed to watch HBO. Oh, you know, when when you're when both your parents work and you're home alone, it doesn't matter if you're allowed to watch HBO or MTV because you're gonna. Well, then you have to have something to inspire you for your booby traps. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, But so, yeah, I've I've seen this movie quite a few times. Um, I my expectations are that it's going to hit all of my nostalgia buttons. That's really what I'm expecting. So, right. Yeah, I um I remember seeing bits and pieces of this movie as a kid and uh, now I am I love clowns so much I'd like to scream and run. So uh now that I'm in my mid 30s, I think I'll be okay. I don't think it'll be nearly as scary and probably a lot more um face palmy. Right? So for me, we've talked about this before in the show several times. There are several movies that I watched as a child that I tried explaining to my friends and to people when I became an adult and they were like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not a real movie. You've just made this up. And it made me question, you know, these fever dreams I've had. And this was one of those movies. I tried to explain killer clowns from outer space. First off, that name alone makes people go, Hmm, Dallas, are you okay? (laughs) 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 But I like, I'm like, Oh, I swear this is a movie about clowns from space that, and I, I described the cotton candy and the the popcorn scenes and everything like that. Like, this is one of those movies, like, it just, it's seared into my brain. Like, I would have second thoughts about eating cotton candy at times growing up. Um, I love popcorn. And ever so often when I'm throwing popcorn away uh, that's old and stale, I'm like, hmm, I'm going to go ahead and take this trash can outside. You know, just, these are the thoughts that go through my head now because of this movie. That's so, uh, I've seen it. I expect to go in there and just kind of chuckle at it. Um, um, I did. So I own this movie. It's gone missing 
I own this movie. I found this movie at a Hastings and we're walking through Hastings with some friends and going, Rip Hastings. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Rest in peace. But I remember freaking out and my friends going, what is wrong with you? I'm like, it's the movie I've been trying to tell you. And because I was in Bible college, I had to make sure it was PG-13 before I took it back to my dorm. But I had it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, that's uh, my thoughts. I'm, I'm, I'm going in this expecting to, to chuckle at it and hit all the nostalgia buttons like John. Well, all right. I guess uh, at this point, there's nothing doing except going in and actually watching the movie. Let's do it. Dear listeners, this is your opportunity to escape. Our crew has just entered into the media projection chamber. What horrors and madness that they consume are unknown. Their mental state upon their return is unknown. You have been warned. That movie. Anybody want some popcorn? Definitely don't want cotton candy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll take some popcorn as long as it hasn't been in your hamper. Yeah. I mean, I don't normally store it in there. I mean, all right. Well, okay. So we're, we're uh, done watching the movie. Uh, Got to talk about some spoiler-free thoughts about this movie. Um, how do you talk about killer clowns from outer space with, without spoiling it any more than the title of the actual know, film right? does. <laughs> yeah. I will say this. I think that the, uh, the clown makeup and prosthetics accomplished the goal of making this creepy yet cheesy at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like as a child, this was terrifying. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, as an adult, I'm like, Hmm, that's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in a cheesy way. <laughs> I think that was one of my biggest things. It's like, if anybody ever wants to take a movie to make an example out of the fact that prosthetic, prosthetic practical effects still are yeah. better than digital effects, mm-hmm. uh, this would be a great movie to point at because it still, it, it, it still works. It's yeah. so, um, and that was one of the biggest things now, granted, if they were, there were, there were moments when the clowns would talk and their mouths don't sync up. I think that falls by the, <laughs> the wayside a little bit. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, but in the non-talking parts, when they're just walking around and it, it works, it, it, mm-hmm. it, it aged very well. So, yeah. Like graphically throughout the, I don't think there was a scene, very many scenes at all where I was like, okay, that's not the greatest. Like when some of the stuff with the the spaceship were kind of off. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, everything like give it a, give them a new video camera, and but all the graphics are they'd fit today. Yeah, I I think that that's definitely a positive considering you know the brothers. That's what they did. That's you know I mm-hmm. think from I I don't know that they made any more movies. Uh, if this was it, that was good on them. But um. They knew what they were doing and you could tell that like they spent all of probably I would say a good portion of pre-production building these suits, making them look good. Actually, Mm -hmm. actually, when I was when I was flipping through the uh, trivia stuff on IMDb, uh, Mm -hmm. this movie was budgeted for two million dollars and most of that went to production costs. I guess the uh, suits and setting the the suits, the actual clown Mm -hmm. outfits and stuff were made on the cheap so it was very oh, well. it was super inexpensive okay. for them by 
stand by uh industry standards for them to make those suits so that's really impressive yeah i would i would say time wise there there was definitely a lot of time put into them mm-hmm. uh because i've seen a lot of you know cosplayers and and people like that like they they could use you know everyday household objects to make their costumes they'll spend a lot of time on it but won't spend a lot of money on it right mm-hmm. uh, but that like those clowns it's it's the perfect feel for this movie like Mm -hmm. dallas was saying you know they're they're disconcerting as an adult as a (laughs) you know if my eight-year-old would have walked in we would be having nightmares tonight when we go to bed (laughs) (laughs) um one gripe i did have about this movie uh which isn't very spoilery is that a lot of it a lot of the lighting in the scenes was too dark yeah uh, that was my big first note on this was, uh, did they not pay the light bill? <laughs> well, yeah. it's one of those things in this kind of movie, when you have a lot of this type of practicals, having an excessive amount of light hurts you mm-hmm. in, um, because you can see the, the wires, mm-hmm. you can see the, the stuff. In it. So darker things tend to be better for this type of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had this conversation about nightmare for Christmas and the fact that, um, it's stop motion and with stop motion it's easier to do darker movies because you can hide crap in the shadows yeah and, but what makes nightmare for christmas is uh beautiful is that it's it's dark but like visually dark but there's a lot of bright scenes but you still have mm-hmm. a lot of intricate movement and so yeah there are a lot of scenes where I'm like okay you guys i mean it was it was much brighter than that other movie what was it um dark star mm. much brighter than half the scenes of dark star uh <laughs> <laughs> but it was a little dark at sometimes um and then the other thing was that all the acting in this movie all the <laughs> acting in this movie was completely over the top yeah it was the best i've never seen anything like it over, before oh way overacted it was yeah it, it was a thing um do you think that was on purpose or it was just bad acting yes because it added to the campiness of it i i think both i think some of it was intentional and i think some of it was just people who um just couldn't act i mean like the without a doubt you can tell this movie was intentionally low budget yeah. like this this was before movies like you know frankenfish and <laughs> sharktopus were a thing so i mean yeah i think the thing that stood out the most to me and i would assume with the two of you just you know for the amount of audio that you have to edit to do podcasts uh, there's so much ADR in this movie that is totally <laughs> unnecessary right. that I'm just like, why do we have to replace this dialogue? Oh, because you couldn't figure out how to add an echo when somebody's talking right. through the speaker on top of the ice cream truck. <laughs> like there's just, and it's just, I don't know that hurt to like watch. Oh man, it hurts. But <sighs> I also think, I also think though that this movie is a perfect, uh, this movie is a perfect example of why 80s horror films were the best horror films to be made. Mm. Uh, because in the 80s, when they would do horror films, they had a sense of fun to them that mm. I don't think any decade has had before or after. Um, like this, this movie was very fun. Um, and you look at other movies made the same same time period, even from the big slasher movies of the time, like a nightmare on Elm street 
or mm-hmm. even the Jason movies, uh, there was an element of fun to them or camp that mm-hmm. it was just like, yeah, this is scary, but you know, we can still have fun with this. And it, it made going to see these movies a fun thing to do rather than give you the jeepers all, all over. I think there was a certain sense of cruelty that has been added to the horror genre in the nineties mm. that wasn't present in the, in the eighties horror movies. Um, yeah. And it, in conjunction with that, I would also say that this, this also demonstrates that the eighties really liked to play around with vivid colors, even if it, you have a dark setting. So yeah. Um, when, uh, color and when fun. we were watching the Celeste commented on this saying that, you know, Celeste, she does not do horror movies at all. Really? But she said this is kind of on par for her with uh, Leprechaun and that campiness. You know, they're they're being silly about it. There's a little bit of suspense, a little bit of, of thrill to it. But it, it's it's a comedy at the same time. There's fun to it. And I think you hit it on the head. Like, there does seem to be a a level of cruelty that's been added to films in the, in the, the horror genre in the last several years. I mean, the whole Saw series is nothing but just psychological psychological trauma and cruelty and so many others are out there that just like it's unnecessary like it's not fun to watch it's just a i don't know people working through their own team is a need better counseling than the movie theaters do you think part of that too could be like when you look at a lot of these like slasher films and horror movies in the 80s like they're still pretty new like we're coming off of like halloween and stuff like that so we're talking lower budget movies where studios were like, okay, you want to make this movie or we're going to pick it up, but you, you know, we're not going to give you a bunch of money. Do you think because the eighties were like this, the nineties came in and they were like, well, look, these are like, you know, low budget movies, but they're like blockbuster low budget movies. And they just poorly replicated that, you know, like they, they thought, Oh, well, we'll just stand on their shoulders and then just kind of messed it up. Like not to say that there are all horror movies since the eighties are like terrible. There are some really mm-hmm. good ones, but something is skewed some, after the eighties. I 80s. think some of it's that. I think some of those also. We have this per this uh, mentality as a society of always trying to amp things up and mm-hmm. take things to another level. And you have people who who watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space and they're like, "Oh, it should have been so much darker." Why do they have to be PG-13? And we have this like today where people are complaining that certain movies aren't getting R-rated stuff. It's like, but are you worried about a rating? Are you worried about telling a good story? Mm. Are you trying to make people feel things? Or do you just want it to the shock and awe of having put out something? And I think a lot of people are more concerned about shock and awe uh, uh, than they are telling a good story in their movies as of late. I Hmm. would disagree with that but uh, more so to the fact that i come from the I- ideology that cultures and genres have a tendency to be on a pendulum um and it, it, it's that. constantly swinging one direction and then it'll come back around and hit the other uh in the 80s there was a big focus on fun excess and flair mm-hmm. that we haven't seen really since uh bright vivid colors you know let's party let's have a good time i mean you you even think think about some of the darkest stylings of like we'll even take it down to the musical level you know you think of like heavy mm-hmm. metal you think of heavy metal nowadays and you think of cookie monster vocals and death and destruction in the 80s heavy metal 
like the even even the bad boy heavy metal like motley crew still had makeup and big colors and high-pitched dudes mm-hmm. singing and stuff like that and hair and hair and always <laughs> and singing you know you had poison singing don't need nothing but a good time you know right uh you know you had skid row singing uh youth gone wild which is all about partying mm-hmm. and stuff like that so you know so i th- i think we hit that and then the 90s were kind of a where the pendulum started to swing the other direction you know you had bands like nirvana coming out that were just like oh life sucks and everything's meaningless and you have this nihilistic swing of the pendulum um mm-hmm. so so i i don't necessarily think that it it it's so much you know pushing it to extremes as it is just a response to that mentality um, with the pendulum swinging in a, in a different direction. Sure. And there's more societal ways I could kind of demonstrate that, but I have a feeling it would irritate some people to hear it. (laughs) And I, I I just don't want to go there. Uh, But you know, you can, you can definitely see it in the art that's produced Mm. in the decades because you could see it swinging into the eighties from the seventies with the whole disco Mm -hmm. scene and, stuff like that so sure. yeah and you're you're right man we, as society we do go to extremes very often uh it's one reason why like a lot oftentimes on uh, our main feed geek devotions we talk about balance and that word that people hate <laughs> in all things balance and um and so again with with modern movie telling we're on that swing of like let's make it i'm we're crying out loud we're about to get an r-rated horror movie winnie the pooh <laughs> yeah like like this is a thing winnie the Pooh, winnie the pooh blood and the honey like <laughs> i will say that is just more someone doing it because they can do it finally and it, it's no mm-hmm. longer under trademark to disney mm-hmm. um I, sure. I i i i don't necessarily think they're doing it because there's demand for it <laughs> i'm not saying there's demand for any of this mess <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get into our spoiled uh, thoughts on this right. let's uh, see if we can play that bumper ladies and gentlemen the spoiler section all right we are in our spoiled territory ladies and this is where we're going to be talking about the film and spoiling it more than the title did itself um so guys what are our spoiled filled thoughts on uh killer clowns from outer space did you know that the Mike, the main character's last name in this movie was Tobacco. What? It's Mike yeah. Tobacco. <laughs> I figured that out after watching it and looking things up. Yeah. <laughs> tobacco. That's, I'm looking at it right now. What the heck? <laughs> why why did they do that? I Because nobody would ever know, probably. Probably. I, that's my assumption, because nobody had IMDB back in 88. So. Right. It, Can we talk about how John Vernon plays this so straight the entire time who okay who's john vernon i i don't know uh, curtis mooney he was a cop oh okay. that guy um oh. he was also like the dean in animal house or something like that yeah i okay so that that was another thing that kind of rubbed me a little bit wrong in this movie was the whole cop in the small town who hates all the young kids that <laughs> that was a cliche even back in 1988 i was gonna say was that's a yeah, that's an 80s trope right there. It is. Like, everything was a trope in this movie. I mean, yeah. 
I had a teacher named John Vernon. Funny did enough. Did you? Yeah, I did. He was my graphics de- design teacher. Cool. Did he yeah. hate all the young people and their fancy new technology? No, he thought he was one of the young people with new fancy technology, even though he was like 50. Wow. Yeah. Um, anyway. I Also, the shadow puppet scene in this movie. Yeah. Right. That scene was so far ahead of its time. Yeah. Dude, I love that scene so much. It's just so clever. It, it's the, the effects of it still hold up today, in my opinion. Yeah. Like it, it yeah. works. There is so yeah. there is so much in, and that they actually use a little bit of CG in this to make that with the with how the mm-hmm. uh, shadow played on the wall. And it, right. And it still it still held up better than uh, Batman 89's CGI they used at the end <laughs> when the Joker's hanging off the building. Yeah. <laughs> Falls yeah. into the green screen. <laughs> I, I love it because it's one of those things that. You know, if you've watched anything on doing, you know, computer graphics or anything like that, like that's probably one of the earliest tutorials where you're just like, throw this black mat, you know, uh, animation on the wall. But then when right. it like reaches over and like eats the people that are standing on the sidewalk, I was like, that is perfect. Yeah, that was great. Um, I mean, this is supposed to be like the spoiler section, but in the same sense, it's just like really there's not a lot to spoil in this movie. I mean, you read the title. Mm-hmm. That's the movie. <laughs> and it is that, that yeah. it's like the movie snakes on a plane, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like this, this is what you're going to you know what you get. Yeah. I mean, there, there are no plot twists to this movie to be spoiled. You're, you got right. Killer clowns from outer space and people fight against them. Yeah. So here's here's a question for you guys. In the first scene, when they uh, they're in the spaceship and they go like behind that first door, and there's they're in that big room with the lightning in there. Mm-hmm. Did they just recreate the the set from Star Wars? I was thinking That's the same what thing. I thought. It looks like <laughs> that scene from A New Hope where Luke and Leia walk out into like the whatever mm-hmm. reactor room or whatever, and right. they've got to swing from one side to the other. That's exactly what it looked like. <laughs> That's plagiarism, but good on right? you for how good it looked. It it was pretty cool, man. I liked how they did that all yeah. together. Yeah, that was good. And I liked, huh? Sorry. Oh, I was just saying, and can I just say that I love the theme song to this movie? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. The kill, the song was, by the Dickies. When that song started playing, I looked at Celeste. I was like, John's going to like the song. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will say this just to give everybody a peek behind the kimono here. Um both the movies that we're doing this month have theme songs that were designed specifically for them that share the title of the movie. Mm-hmm. And both theme songs are just fantastic. I, I, <laughs> I, it, this was a completely unintentional thing, but yeah, but it, I, it just occurred to me. I'm just like these, both these <laughs> movies have theme songs that you're going to hear <laughs> a lot in the movie. And yeah. right. Well, I was watching, I was watching it and my wife walked. Wendy goes, is that the theme song for the movie? And I'm like, yeah, that is so weird. And so like self-referential, like she's apparently not experienced anything like that. And I was like, yeah, and it's really good. (laughs) Right. So yeah, good stuff. So so Hollywood, if you're out there, what we're saying is we want more theme songs that are designed for the movies by actual rock bands that. Yes, please. So I liked the, uh, the foreshadowing of uh the cop yeah. he goes, you're not gonna make a dummy out of me mm-hmm. and then 
you know, one hour later, he's a dummy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That scene where, um, uh, as a kid, that legitimately creeped me out. That effectively speaking, that is one of the creepiest scenes in this movie that where they, oh, where they sure. leaned into the horror elements of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like when, when I think his name's Jumbo, I think is what that clown's name is. Uh-huh. But when mm-hmm. he grabs him with the little uh, party blower, I can't right. think of what that toy is. When he grabs him and like pulls him into the cell, like he bumps up against the cell and then like drags down like he's dead, which normally I would be like, okay, that's like super cheesy B movie. But then the right. fact that it like plays off, you know, in a later scene and then you see the clown's hand like come out of his back and it's all covered in blood. I was like, that's like, that's genius. Like he just knocked him <laughs> right? out and then painted him up and used him as a puppet. I've, I've got a hot take for you so guys. Good. I've got a hot okay. take okay. for you guys. I'm going to say that the movie independence day ripped off that scene. Uh, I have, I can see the inspiration for it for sure. Uh, yeah. The, I, the part where, where the guy, I don't remember the actor's name, but the guy who plays data on star Trek, the next generation, mm-hmm. Brent something. I want to say Brent Steiner, but I'm not sure if that's correct. But at any, at any rate, in Independence Day, there's that scene where he, he that the alien slaps him up against the glass and he's talking through his corpse because he's a yeah. scientist. And I'm like, he's this. I'm sitting here thinking about it. I'm like, this is legitimately that scene in Killer Clowns. <laughs> so right. what if what if it's the same universe? Oh, dun, dun, dun. and Dude. it's like they didn't they couldn't succeed the first time. So they came back again. <laughs> well, there's actually, so they're actually, there is actually a sequel to killer clowns. That's in development hell right now. Are is it real? really? Yeah. What? I knew there was a, there was a 3d version of the movie that they announced, but I didn't know there was a sequel. Oh yeah. There's it's return of killer clowns from outer space. Interesting. But I would get the video game coming out. I would, I would love to see, uh, I would love to see, uh, the aliens from independence day versus the killer clowns. <laughs> that would be amazing well, that that that's that would be like the next freddy versus jason for me but do you think they can get away with this kind of movie today um like could they like like there's certain like even some of the jokes like when he was doing the whole like indigenous people uh chief reference in the front end of the movie like you can't do that joke anymore well bro okay so this was back in the 80s when we actually had the right to freedom of speech <laughs> and i get that so that's the question can we get away with this kind of movie today no and the reason is is because can you make this movie today legally speaking yes uh but there are so many people out there who think that they're being offended by something matters Mm -hmm. that you know it's just like it'd be pointless um because nobody wants to be the butt of it. Nobody is okay with being the butt of a joke anymore. Mm. Um, and it's the same reason why we will never have another comedian like Sam Kinison or Andrew Dice Clay or, uh, even Eddie Murphy can't go back to his old stand up routines anymore because everybody's like, Oh, they made fun of me. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I blame Tipper Gore. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. So I, I did have a complaint about the movie and that was at, at towards the end when they're looking for home girl and they're like, she's in a balloon. Which balloon? She's in a yellow balloon. Yeah. Let's look in the cotton candy field. <laughs> yes. I did the same thing. I was like, obviously these aren't balloons. It's cotton candy. 
<laughs> and then how is there only one yellow balloon? One. Right? Have you seen clowns? They pull them out of their sleeves. Like, unrealistic. <laughs> Along with the live action uh, balloon animal dog. I love that. Oh, I, I love that it. so much. <laughs> a funny scene. It's such a good practical effect, too, because like it's again, that is it is and it's an actual like clown motif. Like they will make the the balloon animal and then they have like a rigid uh, leash so they can walk it mm-hmm. around. And I was like, that is perfect. Like, I feel like they thought about everything you could do with a clown but not like you wouldn't think twice about it it just Mm -hmm. made sense when he gets a balloon animal when they do a puppet show so many so many cool things Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah that (laughs) that i agree with dave i mean there there's a lot of stuff in there where you you just took it because yes that's a clown thing shoot him shoot him with popcorn (laughs) why not yeah and yeah. then you find out later, oh, that apparently that's how they respawn or, you know, breed or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. That, right. That's not explained, but I guess it's okay. But you don't care right because, yes, clowns. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it, the ridiculousness of clowns allowed for half the half the story trope portions of it. I will say the first time I saw this movie back when I was age undetermined. I think I was probably 11 because if I, it was 93 was when this was really, so yeah, 11, I was 11. Uh, the, the part where that fat clown comes into the cotton candy field, takes out that twisty straw, sticks it in there and slurps out the, uh, juices, yes. the juices that yeah. bothered me a lot when I was a kid. Yes. That, yeah. that disturbed <laughs> me. And I'm like, cause like for some reason, I'm just like, he's, he, he's drinking a person. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I legit had problems drinking red Kool-Aid with twisty straws from that point forward. <laughs> this movie really <laughs> scarred you, didn't it, Dallas? Just a little bit of times. <laughs> oh man. So I, I had that going for me. Uh let's talk let's talk about the uh, ice cream truck versus the clownzilla as it's <laughs> as it's known. First of all, that entrance sequence for C- clownzilla. Uh-huh. That was intense. I mean, it was a little bit creepy, it but was. I mean, it's just like everybody remembers it because it's on the marionette ropes and stuff like that. And it's just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was, it, I, I thought that was a really well shot sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. they used the near far aspect ratio on that. Cause you can tell that you can now, if you're looking for it, you can tell that that clown is further back to right. to force a size ratio that isn't legitimately there yeah force per- perspective yeah. but in the same sense it's done so well that unless you're looking for it your brain can just tune that out easily yeah, yeah. i think that's the beauty of this movie is so much of it your brain can just tune out anything that's just like ridiculous like you're like we just said like just because it's clown science <laughs> we're just like yeah that's a thing and but like it, there's so much happening mm-hmm. you can forgive it for those kind of things and i will you just go yeah i will say that the charm of this movie loses something um in higher resolution because i watched this on blu-ray on my 4k mm. tv right mm. um i think that this movie would probably work better on vhs in 480 with scan lines <laughs> You know, I there's been a lot of callback for people to 
they're like there's people who are like massive about collecting VHSs. They're getting old CRT TVs, not just mm-hmm. for uh, for watching movies, but play video games. It's the pendulum, I, man. I t- I told you, it's the I pendulum. Would, I would not be surprised if in the next several years you see Panasonic and Sony putting out classic TVs mm-hmm. or a classic TV mode that forces Absolutely. these high quality things to be like that. Yeah, and it, it'll it'll force the 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 aspect, aspect ratio. ratio. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. It's already started. It's already started with video games. Because I ha- mm-hmm. I have I have my Super Nintendo Mini, and oh, that I didn't know you had one. Of those. Yeah, I have one of those. The classic. Uh, yeah, the Mini Super Nintendo Classic. Uh, I got it from Best Buy. It's the official one, not one of those bootlegs from China. <laughs> <laughs> and I make it myself, actually. <laughs> anyway, I, and, but I mean that that that's legitimately a thing on there where you can turn on scan lines. And mm-hmm. for the, and have the classic aspect ratio and stuff like that. So you, I mean, there it's already started with the video games. I wouldn't be surprised if, like on on these movies that you would consider to be direct video from the eighties, such as Killer Clowns from Outer Space, or even you know like the original Evil Dead. Uh, nod mm-hmm. a big nod to Mike over at Boomstick Video, who's covering those movies right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they, when they produce those on uh, high def media such as a Blu-ray, if they if they have more than one track on there where you can apply a scanline filter over the top of mm-hmm. the uh, and an occasional and and have it throw in some occasional uh, tracking issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Go or slap your Blu-ray player. I mean, <laughs> I, I I know I know Dallas. You're not super into um like ultra gory movies, so I I don't expect you to be, be really familiar with this. But there for a while after Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez made their uh, Grindhouse movie or double feature rather there was Mm -hmm. a few other movies that came out that were kind of tagging along with that phenomenon with people finding an interest in grindhouse movies um i have one of them it's called hobo with a shotgun (laughs) um starring rutger hauer um and they shot it on overexposed uh overexposed tape they shot it on vhs tape Hmm. um and so the the color is hyper saturated and there's a there's almost some like scan line effects that are that haven't been added to it so i think i think there's a certain artistic nuance that some directors are starting to take with with especially when they know that what they're shooting falls into a certain line of camp or whatever and they're trying to elicit that type of with um Velocipaster, remember squid was talking right. about the fact that they had done they had destroyed basically destroyed the the the, the original film uh like the actual f- film itself they baked it in the oven. shot on top mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. yeah because there, you're right there is an artistic side that people are like man we want to get back to this nostalgia type of thing which is interesting because you have companies like criterion collection which is like rebuilding stuff and making an ultra hd and making things like their version of war of the worlds is beautiful mm-hmm. like absolutely it's probably my favorite um classic film that's been remastered because it is so beautiful but it's we had that but now we have this pendulum swing that we talked about of let's make it look like we can't see anything anymore (laughs) (laughs) 
But here's the thing, though, with 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 that type of a filter over the top of your movies, especially on movies like Killer Clowns from Outer Space to bring it back to the topic. You know, if they would have had that filter on here, I would have felt like I was sitting in a basement with a bottle of Shasta. <laughs> you know i i don't need to say much beyond that and everybody uh, right. like the yeah. fact that you said that i i i watched your guys' faces when i said that mm-hmm. i elicited some feels in both of you just by yeah. saying oh, yeah. that yeah yeah for I'm, sure. I'm curious though like uh now you and i don't have kids but if we were to take dave's kids that were of appropriate age and set them in front of a crt tv with a vhs of this would they have the same emotions that we have about it? Or would they be like, this is lame versus com- and have them watch, compare the two, have them watch a high def versus a CRT. And how would they respond to it? I, are just, we just harping on the nostalgia? I would, I would say it. I would, I would put it like this. Um, if you were to ask them now at the ages that they are, they wouldn't have the appreciation for it. I think like, say for instance, when SFG, grows up Mm -hmm. to be about 16 or 17 and you were to have that, I think she would have an appreciation for that with the understanding of when this movie was produced, this was the intended product because that the directors had to think this is coming out on VHS because that was the only Mm -hmm. technology they knew at the time. I mean, unless you were rich and had a laser disc player, but (laughs) nobody was putting anything out on laser disc. Right. Right. But I'm still, I'm still curious. Would she really be that way? Again, I get the, we're mm. adults where we're appreciating the artistic aspect, mm. but for a person who is younger, who's used to ultra HD, they're about to walk through the TV because I don't realize it's not real. Yeah. Would they appreciate or would they find it more interesting watching it on a CRT versus again, photorealistic? I would say a lot of that depends on the, um, yeah. If I look at Grace, she's 13 and she has she has an appreciation for movies like I do. But mm-hmm. I think if we sat down and watched this same movie, like if I if I had her watch it on a CRT and then we watched it again on our 4K TV, I, I don't know. I don't know that she would be like, yeah, I like the CRT version better. Mm-hmm. I, I would also because, go ahead, Dave. Well, I would say for for the three of us and probably for anybody listening that is in the same age range, like mm-hmm. it's much more about nostalgia than mm-hmm. it is. Cause like, like you don't appreciate CRT if you didn't grow up with, it, you know, True. that's my opinion. Cause I don't like my 13 year old. I don't see her going, Oh yeah. I want to go play like old school super Mario brothers because it's cool because it's old. She's like, nah, I kind of like the new one because it's new you know yeah <laughs> i i would also wager a guess to say that i don't necessarily think that definition matters to a modern crowd like for for dave's kids i don't think that they would care either way if it was on crt or an actual hd um because they didn't grow up seeing the difference and seeing how the technology evolved. Uh, so it's never been a thing for them to be like, Oh, look at how much clearer. So, so they're not really looking like that. I, I, I think that they would just more be watching it and being like paying more attention to the video and less to how clear and defined the lines are on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So I, to, to be perfectly honest, I think part, I think a lot of it is nostalgia, but in the same sense, I think if they were to produce a movie with the CRT filter on there, they would just look at it, at, look at it as an artistic decision rather than hearkening back to, you know, a certain feeling of nostalgia. And I don't think it would really matter a lot in either direction. Right. I mean, I've got a CRT. I just don't have a VCR, so I could <laughs> maybe figure this out. Christmas gift know. ideas for days. Yeah. <laughs> Killer clowns and VCR. Good to go. I actually have a CRT with a VHS player built into it. Got the combo deal. Oh, yeah, man. Those those <laughs> things suck when the VCRs die inside them. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Being a nice paperweight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what my CRT is right now. It's sitting over there. I have a CRT HD TV that goes in 720 because that's all CRTs could do in HD. (laughs) All right. Well, guys, I feel like we've talked about the movie enough. Let's give our final. Did we actually talk about the movie Dallas though? I mean, I feel like we (laughs) talked about movies in general. Dallas is like, I'm not going to sleep tonight because they're sucking bodies through a straw. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh they just don't die you know dallas so, why don't you describe the rating system to us and then we'll dive into that yeah so our rating system is relatively simple uh it's we have top shelf which is like this is a great movie everyone needs to watch this movie we have middle shelf which is like okay this is not a fantastic movie but it's not bad uh middle our bottom shelf is like oh yeah this is a terrible movie like we all recognize this is this is dumb. Maybe hold on to it for like nostalgia, maybe some uh, historical reasons, but this is trash. And then we have dumpster fire where we throw movies into that uh, we never, ever want to remember. And uh, to date, we're not really sure of any movies that gone into the dumpster fire ever. So um, maybe today will be the first for it. So, Dave, since you are the uh, the noob, what's your rating, my dude? Well, I had. I, I... I think I'm going to have to go top shelf with this one, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. Uh, for for me, if I can justify that crazy decision, I have to say that there is so much from a technical standpoint, and I always love looking at the technicality of filmmaking when watching a movie. I, I appreciate it so much. Like I love watching YouTube videos on how did you make this scene. And watching this, like from a cursory standpoint, I think I would give it, maybe a middle shelf, but I I have to move it to the top shelf because there's so much good that they did with the practical effects and, you know, story, maybe not so much, but the technicality blew me away for being 1989. Wow. All right. So top shelf. All right, John. Now, John, you were upset with us last week because our last time because we top shelf the film that you didn't foresee being top shelf oh, okay first of all which let, by me, the way, let me speak to i love the interaction on you on our page when you gave the apology and then we were apologizing for the apologies that were apologizing for the apologies that was the greatest round of interaction we've ever had on our facebook page so thank you john yeah. for complaining I, I, I want i want to i want to talk to that real quick before i get, get into my ratings um so okay. as you guys noticed as you when you were doing the recordings that that movie got put on the list despite the fact that it doesn't necessarily go fall under our normal criteria to mm-hmm. get what put on the show i put that movie on the list back when we first developed the concept for the show 
because of how right. disappointed with that movie I was as a kid when I saw it. Oh. Um, so that's the reason why I was a little bit upset that you guys top shelved it because that, <laughs> that movie just, if I were to, if you were to look up, if you were look, if you were to look up the word disappointment in the John dictionary, <laughs> uh, you would find that movie listed as a reference. So, but you know, you guys found joy in it and I guess, yay for you. Uh, but getting back into the movie at hand, killer clowns from outer space. Uh, we were talking, we were talking about what my expectations were for the, uh, for the ratings prior to recording. I I had said Mm -hmm. what I said, and I had walked into this expecting with an expectation of how I was going to rate it. But as I was talking about this movie and really, really getting a feel for what my thoughts are on this movie and talking about the flaws that are evident in it and, and talking about the time period it was made and, and, and all that over the course of this episode, I've, I've changed how I'm going to rate this movie. I'm gonna put it on the top shelf. Wow. I honestly, cause especially when we, th- when you think about our, our rating criteria, like would we whip this out and show this to everybody be like, you should watch this movie. Yeah, I would. Because I think everybody should watch this movie. I think it's, do I think it's the most intelligent, life-changing movie (laughs) ever made? No. But do I find it incredibly entertaining? And do I think that pretty much anybody could find some sort of enjoyment in it? Yes. This is not Citizen Kane, but this is a very entertaining movie. And it is very much, if I was to say, hey, this is the reason why eighties horror films are the best horror films that you, that you have to choose from. This would be one of the movies I would pull out because this defines the sense of fun that is, has been missing in not only horror as a genre genre, but any kind of genre. I mean, you, you go back and look at movies like monster squad or little monsters with Fred Savage or anything like that. There's a certain sense of, there's a certain air of innocence and adventure that I think is highly dem- demonstrable within this movie. Hmm. So yeah, top shelf. Yeah. Sweet. Well, as usual, folks, my voice and uh, thoughts don't matter anymore. So, uh, we'll just continue. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. I just, so again, cause I, what I have to say doesn't matter anymore, but I went into this film going, mm, it's probably gonna be a middle shelf. It's been a couple of years since I've seen it. Um, and, uh, I'm going to have to say that after our, our conversation about it, all sort of stuff, um, I'm going to put it on top shelf also undisputed. Like, Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. like it's legitimately like, it's not a great movie. Like, this, like you said, this isn't citizen Kane, which I know people who put that on the bottom shelf. <laughs> um, but like from a technical point of view, uh, I'm coming with Dave. I like the technicals and stuff like that. It's done really, really well. Yeah. Um, it's it's done it's aware that it's campy and it, but it's not like just ridiculous with that like some people like that they're aware of the camp and they just play it too far but this was a fun movie like i legitimately had fun watching it i enjoy talking with you guys about it i again there's some people i'm like mm, you don't need to watch this but for the most part i'm like yeah this is a fun movie so top shelf so take that kevin uh <laughs> so with with that being said let's go ahead and roll over to the weak connections because maybe one of us will have a weak connections for this movie i 
I, I don't know. I, I've been racking my brain, but let's get over there. This is a weak connection. So welcome to the weak connections portion of this episode with the title uh, lovingly stolen from our friends over at Strangers and Aliens. Uh, ben Avery is a hero and a legend, and we thank you for letting us use your idea at the end of the show. Uh, this is the section where we try to find some sort of redeeming message of faith um, within whatever video that we have watched. Does anybody have a weak connection for this movie at all? I, I do. Oh, good. Thank you, Dallas, because <laughs> I was having a hard time coming up with one. I was trying to sneak out so I didn't have to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do indeed, actually. So uh, my weak connection comes from uh, just kind of the underlying theme where you had uh, the older cop complaining about the younger cop the younger generation and then just you know the 80s trope these darn kids type of thing and like when you listen to the dialogue like there seems to be this angst against the younger uh, cop because of this you know his new training his fancy training and all this other stuff and again it's you have a older generation that is that feels disassociated they feel like that everything they've worked for everything that they've done and seen has been been cast aside as this new generation does something new, and honestly, it's the disgust and then the dis, the discare for the younger generation that caused a lot of the issues. You know, if he had gotten on the horn, like, oh my gosh, let's let's call the national guard, and he might have become a puppet. Uh, <laughs> he might have lived, and more people might have survived. But there's this digging in the hills, and then you even had like the younger people, like they had like this angst against him and. A, because he was a jerk, but because he's just, you know, a tired old man. But the reality of things, the reality of the situation is we need as a society, both old and young. We need both voices to be present in everything we do um, because we need the balance. We need the the experience of an older generation to speak into us, to go, hey, you know, this is what I've seen. This is what I've walked through. This is what I've done. But at the same time, we need the zeal and the passion of a younger generation to get stuff done, to innovate and to become better to you know develop 4k tvs outside of crtv tvs <laughs> you know and um just kind of the um i'm just looking at a passage acts chapter 2 verse 17 says this in the last days it shall be god declares that i will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams and here we see in kind of a three generation gap we have uh, and when it says your sons and daughters, the implication is like young kids. They're going to be they're going to be prophesying. Your kids are going to be speaking into life to the future. Your young men are going to be seeing things. They're going to see uh, visions from God. And then your older men, they're going to have dreams about certain things. We need all these things in place in our life to be a functional, effective community uh, to grow. I need older people speaking into my life um, because they've seen things. They've they've done things that I can't imagine. And I need their life experiences as I move forward. I need young people in my life who see things a little bit differently, who see things in a, in a different light so I can operate and change what I'm doing even today to make a better future for them. And so my encouragement for us is find those people in your life. If you're a young person, uh, which I don't know how many young people actually listen to this, <laughs> but you know, listen to some elders. Take time to actually like, talk and hear their stories. Um, there's an older lady at my church, um, 
I'm not gonna say her name on air, but this woman has has known Jesus since Moses gave her the tablets himself. <laughs> like <laughs> she has been through stuff, she has seen things. I think I know which lady um, you're talking about. <laughs> right? I mean, she was a she was a woman of God who heard the Lord and and trusted him when she should when when family members threatened her not threatened her uh for doing so. And um I she held to him faithfully and she prayed daily, nightly, uh, and she has seen things changed. I've talked to certain other elders who uh one elder who she had to hide under her bed to read her Bible because people in her house would attack her <laughs> otherwise. And she came out strong in her faith and she raised a family that does some amazing things. I need to hear those stories to have faith in myself to walk this out. At the same time, if you are somebody like us who's kind of middle-aged, um, you need both young and older people in your lives. And then if you're an older person, you need to find young people, A, to encourage you <laughs> uh, and to invigorate you, but also for you to pass stories down. Not to make them do things your way. I think that was the problem with that older cop is he was expecting these young people to do things his way. But they need your wisdom. They need you to encourage them so they can see the you can see the pitfalls before them so they can avoid it to do things better. So that's my encouragement. There's something about your voice, Dallas, that evokes the spirit in me because it, as you were talking, I came up with a uh, weak connection as well. So. Let's go. Uh, mine comes from John 15, 12 and 13, uh, and, which is Jesus talking. And I'm using the uh, extra sanctified version on this. And uh, it says, uh, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you and greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for his friends. Um, and I, it's really reminiscent to me of the dude at the end when he's in the clutches of clown Zilla and he is, yeah. he is legitimately telling, uh, the man who is dating the woman that he loves leave run. And I will take care of this. And he is sacrificing himself so they can get away. Uh, and he eventually removes his, uh, badge and pops the clown's nose which if you watch this movie that's the only way you can kill the clowns is to destroy their nose um and effectively blows up the spaceship in that way um now i i, I feel like they put the happy ending they tacked a happy ending on this because the fact of the matter is is he should have died in that scene uh but that's it, very demonstrative of this scripture that i have read that he was willing to die uh not only for uh, this woman that he loved, but also for the man that the woman chose over him. And I think mm. that says a lot to the characteristic of uh, someone who, especially that's how we should be when we are Christians is we should love without expectation in return uh, for that. Yeah. And I th that, that's something that I fail at consistently. Um, and the, that the message makes its way in to modern media, even campy horror films uh, speaks in volumes as far as the power of what's being said in these two verses. Uh, so there's that. Dig it, man. And I can't believe I pulled some, uh, an idea that deep out of this movie, honestly. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised. <laughs> uh, so that being said, let's go ahead and shut this down. Dallas, where can people find you on the interwebs? 
Yeah. Hey, Angela, I invite you guys to check out geekdevotions.com where you'll find uh, basically all the information to connect with all the Geek Devotion stuff. This podcast, the uh, the uh, uh, other podcasts we have, such as We Read Allegedly, um, The Gundam Watch, and then the main podcast feed for Geek Devotions, which is Com Talk by Geek Devotions, uh, where Celeste and I talk about various geeky things. But also, we have two segments of the show. Uh, we have a Bees Views and Review, where Branson talks about uh, Christian, our family-friendly, faith-based comics. And then uh, another show that uh, John and Dave do called Casual Gamer Society, where they talk about games and um, Dave's addiction to games that he will never finish. So, uh, but yeah, geekdevotions.com, find all of our stuff, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just look for Geek Devotions. Uh, I orchestrated that to make it as easy as possible. All right. Uh, well, Dave, I should have gone to you first as you are the guest on this month's show, but you know what? I got you second. So uh, where can people find you on the interwebs other than the places that Dallas has already mentioned? Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm kind of sort of bringing back an old podcast. Uh, you can go over to geekthispodcast.com and you can check out uh, tons of episodes, like over a hundred episodes where I talked about geek stuff. And soon, hopefully, you know, within a couple months of recording this, uh, there will be a new show called To the Movie and Back, where my co-host David Hunt and I talk specifically about movies. Uh, and um, I'm also over on playing games with strangers. But nobody listens to that show anyway. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And I'm going to start doing something new here. Uh, if you want to find all the projects I'm involved with, check the link tree link in the descriptions below. Let's go. Uh, I, so, and I'm going to use this time to only highlight a couple things that I do. Uh, please go check out gospel by gaslight, which is a uh, audio drama that a lot of us are involved in. Uh, Branson writes it. I am the big bad in that series. Um, and also being as this is the month of October, go follow our friends over at strangers and aliens. Uh, Ben and I will be doing the Halloween episode this year. I will be guesting on that. So look for that in the future as well, as we talk about the book and the movie for something wicked this way comes. So with that being said, Thank you so much for listening to uh, The Bottom Shelf. We certainly appreciate your listenership. Uh, please like, rate, and subscribe on whatever platform you listen to that on. That helps put us in front of like-minded individuals as yourself who may enjoy hearing us listen to or watch rather terrible movies um, or tell a friend too. So with that being said, on the behalf of Dallas and Dave, good night, everybody. 